Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe Pettig teaches from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. As way of reminder, uh, this letter was written to uh, the Christians that were being persecuted. They were scattered throughout uh, Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey. Because of the persecution, they, they were hiding out and they were you know, dispersed and all. They were getting away from the persecution. Uh, This letter, as we've been looking at for the last few weeks, is a letter of hope, but also it's a letter of instruction. So it's a letter of hope and instruction, and it gives us instruction when we go through difficult times. It gives us hope uh, in our difficult times, and it's a letter not only for those of that day, but it's also a letter for us. As obviously, uh, most of you know, the Word of God is living and powerful. It's alive. So it's a word for us even today. So let's go take a look. So we're, again, First Peter 4, <clears throat> verse 12. And the Apostle Peter writes, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may be, excuse me, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. The apostle Peter is telling them very clearly, don't be surprised or shocked when you have trials. Don't be, you know, when you're experiencing suffering or persecution for your faith, basically he's saying, expect it and rejoice. And I don't think, you know, any of us like trials, do we? I know I don't like trials. Difficult times, suffering, and all the things that can happen as a Christian, but it's part of our walk, and it's something that we're to expect. And I think it helps when we expect these type of things, because that way it doesn't shock us. And that's what, you know, the the ones he's writing to are going through persecution. Now, they're going to have heavy, heavy persecution as uh, Caesar Nero is going to, you know, scale it up, and he's going to, you know, have... Christians killed and all that kind of stuff. So he's pre-warning them. So they're going through difficult times. But again, it's a warning for us to, to not think it's strange when we have trials and sufferings. We, we should expect these things. Over the years, I've seen many people, they, they pray to receive Christ. And then when a little trial or some trials come their way, they're like, I'm out of here. I, this isn't what I signed up for. And I've seen it happen with my own eyes. I've seen people that are real close with me. I was excited to see them pray to receive Christ. I'm like, yes, and they're going to, you know, now they're going to walk with the Lord. But then when trials come, they, they run and they stay away from the church. But it should not be so for the disciples of Jesus Christ. We should expect them and we should rejoice because we're partaking of Christ's sufferings. You know, think through that. You know, Christ suffered for us. Christ went through, you know, scourging and they, they beat him. They rejected him. They spat upon him. They, they crucified him. And, and as we go through sufferings, it, 
It's for us, but actually, you know, it's, we get to partake with his suffering, with Christ's suffering. And in a way, you know, I've mentioned this a few times, many times, I guess, but uh, the, the closest thing I can experience of the sufferings, I could say, is when we lost our, our three children. We had three miscarriages. And I, and I bring that up again just to say, I, I kind of tasted some suffering. And as I was going through that, it's like, a, you know, the Lord was there in a deep way for us, for both of us. And it was like I was partaking of a, a part of suffering, a part of hurt. And it was like, it was so deep and it was so strong. And it was just, it was very tough. But, but it was in a way I, I felt, wow, this is, you know, Christ suffered so much more than that. So we're to expect it. For the most part, this world, apart from Christ, and you know, I'm saying for the most part, I'm making a general statement. They, they depend on lies and pride and pleasures and the, the cares of this world. They, it's typically what they, you know, I, I think of my life. I'll even say my life before Christ. You know, I, I was prideful. There was, you know, lying was in my life, you know, pleasures and, and, and the cares of the world. I was seeped in that and I, I depended on that. And that, you know, that's the world. That's what they don't know better. But, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, you know, we're to build our lives around truth, the truth of God's word. We're to build our life around humility and to be humble and holiness. We're to, you know, desire to please God. We're to desire to glorify God in our life. So you look at that and you you just see the contrast of those two lives. And you see that they don't mix and you see the conflict that happens when, when, you know, you're living a life of holiness, you're living a life in truth and seeking Christ and all these things. And then we're, we're in a world that's Quite the opposite. There's going to be a clash. And we're going to be hated. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to be lied about. We're going to be rejected. And we're going to go through those things. And we should expect those things. And I think for, you know, for many Christians, they, they try not to let their light shine. And they try not. They're like, oh, I don't want to tell anybody about this. Or I don't want anyone to know because I don't want to go through difficult times. But, but we're called to tell people about Jesus. We're called to let our light shine. And we will be rejected. And ultimately, Jesus was rejected. And we'll experience the same as he did. We'll, we'll be rejected. But verse 14, it says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ. Check this out. I love this verse. Blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part. He is glorified. I love this. Okay, first off, reproach. The word basically means when you're mistreated, when they're reviled, insulted, there's hostility against you, you're denounced, and, and, and all that for the name of Christ. So get this picture. If you're mistreated for Christ, check it out what it says. Notice again, you're blessed. And, and, and check out the blessings. God's glory, his spirit will rest upon you. So when you go through difficult times, when you're being mistreated, the glory of God himself is going to rest upon you in a special way when that happens. We're all spirit-filled as, as believers. We have God's Holy Spirit living in us, right? But something happens when we're mistreated for the name of Christ. His glory rests upon you. Something takes place in a special way. And I love that. I, I, for some reason, as I was reading this and, and studying this, it's like I never noticed that before. I don't know why. 
But when I read this, I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. When, when someone mistreats me and for the name of Christ, I can expect the glory of God, his presence, his spirit. His, and that word glory is a majesty and magnificence and excel, his excellence is upon me. I think if, you know, I might have tasted a little of that you know, being out on the streets and sharing the gospel. And you, sometimes you get people that are just vile and they, they're just, they, they get so upset. You're just sharing the love of Jesus. And, and I've experienced you know, just a special way where you just sense the presence of God in a powerful way when, I, when you share your faith. I don't know. I've, I hope every one of us here has experienced something like that, where you're just sharing your faith and then just you felt led by the Lord and God's spirit is there. He's prompting you. You know, there's been times I'm even, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my mouth shut. I'm like, no, Lord, you know, I don't think you want me to talk to this person. And the Lord's like prompting me. No, I want you to talk to that person. I'm like, no, Lord, come on. Really? This person is like, yes. And he's like pushing me out there. Like, you sure? You know, yes. Share. And then I start sharing and then, you know, you just sense his presence there. And then sometimes the, the person that I'll share with, they get upset and they get mad and they get violent. And you're like, I'm like, Lord, you sure this was the right thing to do? And the one that's, you know, barks the loudest when you throw a brick, I think great glory said that when you throw a brick into a pack of dogs and the one that barks the loudest is usually the one that gets hit, Right. And, and that's what happens. It, you know, when the gospel hits a person, sometimes they get upset at first. They, they get mad because they're, they're in darkness and light is shining. And, and, but the, the nice thing is, is when that hostility comes, God's presence is there in a special way. It rests upon you. I think of Stephen, the first martyr in the book of Acts. Talk about mistreated. Remember, they, they had uh, people, witnesses, lie about him to say he, he, they said that he spoke against Moses. He spoke against God. They even said that he blasphemed you know, the temple and the law. And these, these men came out to lie about Stephen. And Stephen was a man of faith. Remember what happened? And they, they brought him before the council. And as he was brought before the council, do you remember what happened to, to, to Stephen at the time? Do you remember that says that he was, his face was like an angel? It says, that's what they saw. They saw Stephen. It says, like, his face was like an angel. And I wonder exactly what does that mean? I, I believe the glory of God was upon him because he was getting ready to be stoned to death. And God's glory just rested on him. And he was just shining and beaming. And, and you know, I, I pray that when we get to heaven, we get to see these things. Don't you? I mean, it's one thing to read about this. It, his face was like an angel, but I pray that when we get to heaven, we, there's somehow we get to see this and we get to see, you know, how did he, how was he like an angel? What, what did he look like? Was it, you know, and it, how radiant was he? And was it like just beaming out of him or what? You know, but they, it makes it very clear. His face was as the face of an angel. And I think if I would have saw him like that, if I was even these religious leaders and I had stones and I had a rock in my hand ready to, to, to stone him, so to stone him, to, I think possibly I would think twice looking at his face. I would think back at the story of Moses. And I think, well, maybe this guy really does spend time with the Lord. And then if you recall the story, when they started stoning Stephen, he knelt down and he prayed in a loud voice. He says, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Is that love? Don't charge them with this, Lord. 
But the glory of God rests upon us when there's hostility, when we're mistreated. So if you're reproached, if you're mistreated and by others, for the name of Christ, you're blessed. And the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Before we go to the next verse, I just for note takers, that word rest means to refresh or to give relief. So his spirit rests upon you in a special way, but it refreshes you and it gives you relief. It's like the, the pressure that's there, the, the, you know, the, the pressure you're under through that time of hostility that somebody's pouring out, you know, you'll get relief. You'll, you'll give you like, like comfort or peace and refresh you. Before, and one more thing before we go to the next verse, I want to point out, you know, I believe that's why we read about martyrs in the, you know, the, in old day, in the old times past where, you know, they're, they were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. And you read about how they were burned alive at the stake. And many times you hear that they're, they're singing praises to the Lord. They're, they're praising God. They're smiling while they're dying. And I believe this verse is probably, probably gives us a good clue why they were able to do that because they had relief. They had refreshment from God's spirit upon their lives when hostility was coming out from man as they were being martyred. Powerful verse. Verse 15, but let none of you suffer as murderer, as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. So if you're suffering, make sure you're suffering for Christ's sakes, for Christ's sake, not for these things. If you're, if you're murdering or even have hatred in your heart towards your, towards somebody and then you're suffering for that, or you, you've taken something that's not yours, and you're being evil, don't, you know, don't expect God's glory to rest upon you for that. It's, it's not going to happen. Don't you love that? I love this word. Or as a busybody in other people's matters. The, the word busybody means a meddler, someone that meddles in others' affairs. Make sure you're not a busybody because if you're suffering reproach for that, then, and I think it's a good, you know, you, that balance of sharing, you know, that balance of when you share your faith and, and we don't want to, you know, meddle. We don't want to, you know, antagonize. We don't want to go to a place where we're being obnoxious and all that kind of stuff where, and then you think, oh, I'm suffering for Christ's sake. Look at me, you know, and it's, but it's not really for Christ's sake. You're, you're not doing it in the spirit. You're, you're in the flesh. I've been there before. I've done that before. Been in the flesh, you know, trying to save someone in the flesh, you know, like getting upset. You need to know the Lord and you start getting mad. And it's like, oh, that's real good. Like I'm really, someone's going to get saved when I'm yelling at them and getting upset. I don't think so. I think one time they get upset with someone and say, you need Jesus. And I'm thinking, I'm listening to my words. I'm like, that's terrible. Why did I even say that? It's like, no, I need Jesus right now. I need to repent. <laughs> just the way it was coming out is just out of anger. And it's not right. And that's what it's, you know, it's talking about a busy meddling and, and getting in there and trying to, you know, but evangelism, yes. For Christ's sake, yes. Sharing our faith, Yes. Persecution will come, yes, but watch the Lord show up. He'll be with you, but don't suffer for these other things. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, there's only three times you see that word in the Bible, Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. 
So if you're suffering as a Christian, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed if you're suffering, whatever you're going through. You know, there's, I, I talk to different people that they're going through some difficult times in their workplace because they're a Christian. Talk to people that they're not getting a promotion in their workplace because they're a Christian. And they're, they're going through this, you know, this type of stuff. But so don't be ashamed. You know, great is your reward. And that's what it's saying. Don't be ashamed. If you're suffering for Christ's sake, being a Christian, you know, let the Lord be glorified. God's working on those people. Verse 17, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner be? We're saved by the grace of God. We're saved because of what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. And if we're scarcely saved, we're saved because of that. We, we just make it into heaven. You know, it's nothing that we've done, not of works, lest any man shall boast, right? So we're just making in there. And then if, if we're able to, to just make it, and all the, the difficult time we were going through, you know, but, but yet if we're going through this as believers, what is it going to be like, Peter's saying, for these people that are sinners and reject the gospel of Jesus Christ? In other words, guys, it's, this is as bad as it ever is going to get for us. Don't you like that? That helps me sometimes. When I'm going through difficult times, I think, this is tough. This is as tough as it's going to get. This is it. It's like once we pass that finish line and we, we enter into heaven, everything's going to change. But for the unbeliever, once they hit that finish line and they step into eternity, it all goes downhill from there for these guys. And I, I think through that. And, I, I, and you know, every time I... I I think about the reality of hell and the suffering that people are going to go through. It, it stirs me up to, to, to share with people I know that, that don't know Jesus Christ. Because this is reality. They're going to spend all eternity in a place of suffering if, if they don't turn. And we're to share with them. Verse 19, Therefore let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. If you're suffering for the will of God, I love this. It says, commit, we're to commit our souls to Him in doing good. I want to pose a question with that. Have you commit your soul to Jesus Christ? Have you commit your soul to the Lord? I hope so. I hope every one of us have done that. But then one step farther, one step further, have you committed your soul for doing good? Think through that for a minute. Okay, I've committed my soul to the Lord. I, I've given my life to Christ. I, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I'm blood-bought. I, I, I've surrendered my life to him. But then in here he's saying, even commit yourself to doing good. And I believe as he's talking to those that are suffering, he's saying, you know what? Don't turn back. Don't, don't commit. Don't go back to the ways of the world. But, but you know, commit yourself to doing what's right, to doing what's good and right in the, in the sight of the Lord. So my question is to you, have you committed yourself to doing good? Well, you can answer that. So it's a good thing to do. Commit your soul to the Lord, yourself to the Lord completely, but also commit yourself to, be, to do good. On Sunday, we talked about you know, doing what's right, doing good, doing what the Lord has called us to. I shared a story 
uh, on Sunday, how, you know, Wally was painting the poles, the lamppost out there and painting other stuff. And, and when I went out there and I saw the wet paint, it, I'm telling you, when I saw the wet paint, I wanted to touch the wet paint. And it was like a, a struggle not to touch the wet paint. And I'm thinking, this is silly. I'm a grown man, and I want to touch. I want to go like this. And I walked away, and I kept thinking about it. And I walked back outside, and it was all black and shiny. And I was like, I was like, it was a struggle. And I was doing this study about doing what's right, doing good. I'm thinking, Lord, it's hard for me to do what's right. I know I'm not supposed to touch this and get paint all over me and smudge this up, but you know, it's like a, a, a temptation to do that. I'm thinking, this is crazy. And what it showed me is we all have a sinful nature that we have to struggle with each and every day. Every single day we need to make choices. To Are we going to do what's right? Are we going to do what we know is wrong? And it's a daily walk. Day by day, we have to do, make a decision. Well, you know, choose you this day who you will serve. And then it's not just a daily thing. It ends up being a, a, an hourly thing, a minute-by-minute minute thing. Are we going to do what's right in the sight of God? And here, as I read this, it's like a commitment. Like you're committing your soul to say, God, you know, I, I'm going to do my best, but I commit myself to you to do good. Help me to do that. By the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to live a life that pleases you, God, all the days of my life. Purpose in our heart, not to be defiled by the, the delicacies of this world, as Daniel, they, you know, purposed in his heart. Lord, I, I purpose in my heart not to be defiled with the things of this world. And again, he's exhorting them, you know, commit your soul and, to him in doing those things that are good. Because he's a faithful creator. And then verse, verse 1 of chapter 5. The elders who are among you, I exhort. And then the apostle Peter says, I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Elders, this goes out to overseers of the church. Elders could be pastors, leaders, the overseers of the church. There's an exhortation out here for you guys. You're in leadership. Those that are in leadership in the church, there's an exhortation. There's a lot here, but basically the, the one that stands out is to be an example to the flock. As a shepherd, sheep follow the shepherd. And if, if the shepherd's following, a, you know, if he's leading a bad example, everyone's going to go that way. But we're to be examples. We're to, you know, we're to lead in the right way. And, you know, sometimes... I believe, you know, there, there could be times where the, the elders or the pastors or the leaders, they're not even realizing people are watching us. I had a, a couple years ago, it, you know, it's the silliest thing. Sometimes people, they, they just bring up the, the silliest things. They're like, oh, pastor, did you know you did this and that? Like, you know, it's like, wow. It's like, you know, our lives are under microscopes. 
So as a good pastor, as a good leader, you know, where we can lead in the wrong things or we can read, lead in the right things. Pastors should be men of the word, men of prayer, men of faith, men with their houses in order and on and on and on. All those things are important for, for a pastor, a leader. But also, you know, I want to bring this down to, to even in the congregation that to be an example of what a Christian is in your neighborhood or in your house or in your, in your workplace. the throne of mercy. It's the sound of our It's the sound of our Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our 